Following over a year of athletic events played in front of little to no fans, the University of South Carolina Athletic Department has reported an eight-figure revenue shortfall. The South Carolina Athletic Department announced that the deficit is attributed in large part to the pandemic with reduced attendance at games and increased costs of testing and quarantine for COVID-19. I'm Will Kronsberg. And I'm Finn Carlin. You're listening to In The Loop with SGTV News 4. This podcast is a part of Garnet Media Group's podcast network. Garnet Media Group is the collective partnership between student-run media outlets at the University of South Carolina. Find out more about Garnet Media Group's podcasts and other student work on garnetmedia.org. The University of South Carolina ended its academic year with a financial shortfall totaling roughly $27 million, which it will assume paying until the athletic department can return to self-supporting status, according to reporting from ABC Columbia. Also, a prominent South Carolina family has just been the subject of a double homicide, which some say is tied to threats they received following a boating accident in 2019. And vaccination rates in South Carolina have started to decline amidst the removal of mask mandates throughout the state. Stick with us, we'll keep you in the loop. In line with many major universities around the country, the University of South Carolina Athletic Department was heavily impacted financially by the COVID-19 pandemic. At a meeting of the Board of Trustees on June 11th, Athletic Director Ray Tanner reported shortfalls of close to $70 million between 2020 and 2022 due to decreased ticket sales and donations, the cost of COVID-19 testing, and coaching buyouts. As a member of the Southeastern Conference, USC will receive $23 million to help bridge the gap, while university administration will loan the athletic department an additional $46 million over the next two years. News 4 reporter Kendall Smith joins us now from Columbia. How are you, Kendall? Well, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me back on the show this week. You all are doing an awesome job with the podcast. I'm loving it. Thank you so much. Now, Kendall, We know that Williams-Brace Stadium was only at about 25% capacity this fall, but how exactly did that snowball into such financial losses for the athletic department? Yeah, so the University of South Carolina Athletic Department announced on Friday that the university lost a ton of money this past year. They ended the year with a deficit at $27 million due to fewer people being able to attend football games. And as you know, Will, and I'm sure many other people know, Football is what creates the most money out of the athletic department at South Carolina. And a lot of that money comes from fans. It comes from ticket sales. It comes from concession sales. So not being able to have that this year put the athletic department behind and created this $27 million deficit that they just announced last week. So we know with the football program, of course, we're talking about ticket sales, attendance, concessions, and even all of the the COVID testing that they had to do. But the football program also made a big change on the sidelines. So can you tell us how Will Muschamp's buyout and Shane Beamer's hiring may have affected the athletic department's bottom line? It definitely did affect the AD's uh, bottom line. And that was something that a lot of people discussed when Will Muschamp was fired midseason after the Ole Miss game and a new coach was hired. Will Muschamp had a buyout where the university had to pay him millions of dollars in order to cut his contract early because he did have the contract for four more years and they decided to fire him at that point. So millions of dollars were spent buying out Will Muschamp on top of getting a new coach in Shane Beamer where you have to pay him his salary as well. So that 
that definitely played into the deficit too. And a lot of people talk about Frank Martin and the potential of him not coming back next year, back in the winter. They said, oh, maybe Frank Martin won't be rehired. That honestly, in my opinion, was not an option because of what had happened with Will Muschamp. The university didn't have enough money for the athletic department to be able to make any other changes. And that makes sense. I'm glad that we only made the, the one change. I want to see where the Gamecock basketball program can go anyway, but... Um, but I'm glad that now seeing what the results were, that they kind of limited the changes made during this COVID time. But one other concern that we have as students, just hearing that the university is having to cover some deficits for the athletic department, is how it will impact us, looking at possible increases in our tuition or changes to on-campus activities. So what direct impact will students on campus expect to see? As of right now, Will, there hasn't been any clear details as to how students may be affected tuition-wise, but I can tell you that the university athletic department will not return to a self-supporting status until the 2022-2023 school year. They are still planning to be behind this year because of the return to normalcy that we are currently experiencing with not fully being over the COVID-19 pandemic. And athletics will begin paying back the university during the 2024-2025 school year. So there are a couple of years until any solid concrete decisions might be made surrounding students' tuition. But as of right now, next year, the athletic department won't even be paying back the university yet because they'll still be in that COVID-19 hole. And this is definitely a, a story to follow over the next few years. But Kendall, we really appreciate you joining us. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me. Go Gamecocks. In 2019, Paul Murdaugh was involved in a boating accident while under the influence that resulted in the death of a 19-year-old woman, which led to his family receiving a string of threats online from strangers. The Murdaugh family is made up of generations of successful lawyers and prosecutors that have served for over 80 straight years, which have made them one of the most prominent families in South Carolina. Now, Paul Murdaugh and his mother Maggie have been shot and killed outside their home. Found recently by Paul's father, Alex Murdaugh, another in the family's long line of lawyers. The details of this double homicide have been unclear, and while what happened came as a shock to the community, some are now saying that the accident in 2019 and recent events are linked. While police have not made any arrests or considered any suspects so far, the Post and Courier has been reported to be in a battle with local authorities regarding the release of the homicide report, according to reporting by the Washington Post. Juneteenth, often described as the day that a Union Army general arrived in Galveston, Texas to proclaim the freedom of slaves in the 1800s, has now become a national holiday after President Biden assigned the commemoration of June 19th into law. SGTV News 4's Callista Yost reports. This past weekend, the country celebrated the newest national holiday. Juneteenth commemorates the end of slavery in the U.S., and it marks the anniversary of the day that the news of the end of slavery arrived in Galveston, Texas in 1865. The holiday was officially on Friday, but Columbians celebrated all weekend. At Segra Park, the Columbia Fireflies held a two-day Juneteenth celebration honoring the Negro Leagues of Baseball. Both teams took the diamond in different jerseys to honor the leagues. The Fireflies played as the Newark Eagles to honor Camden native and baseball great Larry Doby. Doby played for the Eagles and went on to break the MLB American League color barrier when he joined the Cleveland Indians in 1947. Their opponent, the Augusta Green Jackets, played as another team, the Chattanooga Choo Choo's. In Columbia, Callista Yost, SGTV News 4.
Following an initial push during the spring for South Carolinians to become vaccinated against the coronavirus, Governor Henry McMaster swiftly ordered that mask mandates across the state be dropped towards the end of May. Now, after the CDC has said that fully vaccinated people are no longer required to wear face covering in most indoor and outdoor situations, COVID vaccination rates in South Carolina have started to decline. The South Carolina Department of Health and Environmental Control has released data showing that only 40% of South Carolinians are fully vaccinated, but that about 47% have received one dose. To tell us even more now is News 4 reporter Tyler Fedor. How are you, Tyler? I'm doing well, Finn. Thank you. So right now, only 40% of SC residents have completed their vaccination, not enough to achieve herd immunity against COVID in the state. But do you think that this can be attributed to the rate of vaccinations declining or simply a slowed start to greater statewide accessibility for these vaccines? So one thing I can say for sure that has played a part in that slowed vaccination rate is wasted doses. I imagine not having doses can slow something like vaccination rates down. Uh, What this basically means is a dose has maybe expired. It's been opened and wasn't used, so it has to get dumped. It's been broken, maybe in transit or in transportation, maybe like just the glass itself just shattered or lost. It got misplaced or something like that. I mean, in total in South Carolina, over 53,000 COVID-19 vaccine doses have been wasted, which can fall under any of those actions. And that's according to reporting done by WMBF News. Another thing as well is possibly skepticism or availability of the vaccine as well. However, numerous parties are trying to close that availability gap by changing how they're handing out their vaccines, taking a look at what worked and what hasn't. When I say party, I mean like a health provider or some sort, or maybe a government agency that's hosting some sort of vaccine clinic. Right. So we know people in the state have been getting vaccinated less over the past month, but why do you think this has happened? I mean, do people simply not want to get their shots for personal reasons or concerns, or have statewide resources started to diminish in that time, more or less? So after looking at a few numbers, I think we're definitely doing fine in the supply area of things. I mean, most recently, South Carolina received a total of 1,589,100 combined vaccine doses. That's Johnson & Johnson, Moderna, Pfizer, all that. And that's according to some numbers you can find on DHEC's website. They have it dated back to June 1st of this year. But yeah, there is some skepticism among some communities in South Carolina about whether they should get their vaccine. I obviously can't speak as to where that anxiety comes from, but it is there and it is present and it is an obstacle. One thing to note, though, is that the majority of South Carolina's unvaccinated population does not live in a rural area, actually, at least according to the Post and Courier. More so than the Post and Courier, though, clinical pharmacists like Dr. Julie Hustow say that the lower vaccination rates in South Carolina could be attributed to the rural makeup in communities around the state. So a lot of push from public health authorities, uh, folks at the University of South Carolina College of Pharmacy and other affiliated partners have been to figure out how to get the word out and how to get access to vaccination to those individuals that live in more rural areas. Now, in order to boost vaccine confidence for residents in the state, there would have to be work done on the local level, of course, in order to encourage people to get their doses. Is there anything being done by the city of Columbia, for example, or even the university to try to incentivize those who have not been fully vaccinated? So yeah, if we're talking about USC specifically, I literally texted Jeff Stensland yesterday. He's basically the spokesperson of the university. He told me they got some stuff planned for the fall semester, which are likely to include some giveaways that will promote getting vaccinated. Specifics are still TBD, though. That's what he said to me. But he gave me that little heads up there. In Columbia, there's actually something called Shot and Chaser, where basically you get a free beer along with your COVID vaccine. That's a partnership between the South Carolina Brewers Guild and the city. Ultimately, though, while there are many programs in place to encourage community to get vaccinated, clinical pharmacists working with the university like Dr. Julie Hustow say that it's not up to them to tell people whether or not their opinions toward getting the vaccine are agreeable or not. You know, it's totally valid. What, wherever 
before someone is on the spectrum of COVID-19 vaccine, the most important message that I can provide as a pharmacist is that their feelings are valid. It's also potentially pretty scary to imagine uh, getting um, a vaccine. However, we are here to help. Um, there's a lot of helpful information um, and advice that we can provide and a lot that we can do to help uh, dispel those fears. Tyler, thank you so much for your time. The Columbia Fireflies Juneteenth celebration isn't the only thing that the team has in store right now. They're about to be back in action in Seager Park throughout the week. You'll be able to find their games against the Cubs-affiliated Myrtle Beach Pelicans all the way through Sunday. That's right, Will. The Fireflies will be taking on the Pelicans not once, not twice, but six times every night through Sunday. That's going to be at Seager Park, as I mentioned earlier, every night at 7 p.m. from now until Sunday night. You can find ticket info and more about their schedule at MILB.com slash Columbia slash schedule. And, Will, I personally don't know too much about baseball, but I think we had a conversation about this, and you were telling me that most teams only face off against one another maybe three times in a row. Is that right, or, or did I get that wrong? That's right. So normally you're going to play sets of three-game series. So the Fireflies and Pelicans would normally be playing maybe Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, but not you know Tuesday through Sunday which is a, a, a pretty extreme, uh, but this is a great chance to, to see some really good young baseball prospects. Both teams play at the low A level. The Fireflies are a Royals affiliate. The Pelicans are a Cubs affiliate. Um, so it's kind of a good look at what you might see in the central divisions of the MLB in three or four years. Yeah, gotcha. And I just think it's kind of funny because, you know, by that fifth or sixth game, they're, everybody on the field is going to gonna, gonna know each other. They're going to start talking to one another. They're going to be kind of buddy-buddy, might not want to even uh, face off against one another, you know, because they might form some good relationships there. Or at least I hope their relationship is good right now because six, six matches in a row, that's, that's a lot to deal with. Um, but I, I do know of a cool chance where you can combine two events, this included in one night, and that's the Columbia's sixth Shrimp and Grits Fest coming up this weekend. Is that right, Will? That's right. So the Shrimp and Grits Fest is going to be June 26th. That's Saturday, and it goes from 6 to 9 p.m. It'll be at the Doubletree by Hilton Hotel right here in Columbia, and you can get in for $40. You'll see Columbia restaurants competing to see who has the best shrimp, who has the best grits. A great chance to kind of taste some food and, and see what the city has to offer. Yeah, exactly. And what I think is really neat about this is it, like you said, it allows each restaurant in Columbia to make their own shrimp and grits, have a panel of judges, taste test them all, and then ultimately one will be voted to see who has the best shrimp and grits. So not only could you possibly get some shrimp and grits before going to the Myrtle Beach Pelicans versus the Columbia Fireflies game, but you'll be able to find out the best place in Columbia, according to the judges, to keep going back and getting shrimp and grits. I love shrimp and grits, and I just love like going to events to get food in general. So even though it's a $40 admission... That seems that seems worth it if I'm going to be going to the Shrimp and Grits Fest and then to a baseball game right after. Well, you have to keep in mind that $40, it's not just, you know, one meal or, you know, a 30-minute uh, event. You'll get to see a lot of different places. South Carolina is obviously famous for Shrimp and Grits, especially in the low country. But in the Midlands, you know, there are lots of good restaurants uh, and, and you can get a taste for who brings that flavor the best. 
Yeah, of course. And, you know, if you want to go to an event that's a little bit more in your budget, I actually know of a free event that's coming up as well. On June 29th from 7 to 9 p.m., there is Name That Song Trivia located at the main house. The admission is free, so definitely less than $40. I think that's 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 pretty agreeable. Um, and it's all for people who love music from R&B to country, um, just all, all kinds of genres that you'll be able to hear and you'll be able to play on. Along. And there's prizes as well for the overall winning team. Now, what prizes are might those be? You're just going to have to go and find out for yourself. But hey, it's free admission, so what do you have to lose, you know? Exactly. I'm somewhat of a trivia buff myself. I don't know how good I would be at naming a song, but the advantage is usually when I do trivia like this, I go with my family. Uh, and between all of us, we kind of balance it out. So I know the more recent stuff my parents can cover, you know, 70s and 80s music. So uh, this is really something that I would really enjoy, and and I hope there are good prizes there because I really want to win. Yeah, exactly. So you just got to get your dream team together, just study up on music all beforehand, and then go and go to win um, for sure. So you might be going there with your family, but who knows? Maybe I will have to gather some of my friends that are pretty knowledgeable in music uh, as well as as well as myself. Uh, not not to brag too much, and then we'll we'll have to we'll we'll have to see who who comes out on top and gets those prizes. You know. Well, may the best team win. And this is really a, a great opportunity to go out and, and see what Columbia has to offer, whether it's name that song trivia or if it's the Fireflies games, because this week is going to be one of your best opportunities to get out in the capital city. Temperatures will steer clear of the 90s, should stay in the, the mid to high 80s at the at the hottest. And the high for today is only 79, the low is 68. And, but there is a chance of summer showers over the next few days, so just watch out for that. Maybe bring an umbrella. Over in the stock market, the Dow Jones Industrial Average increased by 93 points, the NASDAQ increased by 87 points, and the S&P 500 rose by 22 points. Keeping you in the loop, I'm Will Kronsberg. And I'm Finn Carlin. You're listening to SGTV News 4. Join us next week to stay in the loop.